This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. So here we are ending, the nearing the end of our journey through the book of Acts. In trying to figure out what is this thing called the church. And yes, not so coincidentally, I always call it, call it God incidences. We are focusing in these last few weeks on our annual stewardship emphasis. And Kara has offered great words, and you heard in, in our recent letter that went out, and you just heard our sharing from Nancy this morning, that we are wrapped around the theme of being of one heart and mind. One heart and soul. I have been involved in, well, let's just say a lot of annual steward, church stewardship drives. And coming up with themes and catchy slogans can be a rather arduous task. A story is told, and again, beware whenever a pastor begins his sermon with a story is told, of a young pastor just out of seminary in his first church. And indeed, he started right before the church's annual stewardship campaign. So, in an effort to impress his congregation, he came up with a theme and a catchy slogan for the camp for the stewardship campaign all by himself. He even had t-shirts made to show the congregation on kickoff Sunday. So during announcements, the proud young pastor who wanted to impress his congregation calls up his head deacon to present to him this t-shirt with the self-created catchy new slogan written on front of it. The deacon looks at it and whispers to the young pastor, do you really want me to show this? And of course, the proud newbie pastor says, of course. So the deacon opens up the t-shirt to show to the congregation. And on it, it says, I've upped my pledge, so up yours. <laughs> so now... With equal stupidity, this wizened pastor is going to preach a stewardship sermon with the added text of Ananias and Sapphira dropping dead. Just why? Well, never one to run away from a challenge. So here goes. Our lesson from Acts 4, 32 through 511. It's found on page 106 in your pew Bibles. Listen for God's word. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one 
claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You didn't lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard it. The young men came and wrapped up his body and then carried him out and buried him. And after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in. And not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead. So they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, the first part can comprise the mother of all stewardship sermons, can it? For Acts 42 to 35, 432 to 35, really describe the first commune, the first community chest, a truly sharing society. As Tyler shared a few weeks ago, the first answer of the Heidelberg Catechism, the Reformed Church in America, Reformed Church Standard of Faith, the first question and answer. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer that my Dutch grandmother, Clara van Hoven, would recitate in order in Dutch with spitting going on all the time. 
But that first answer is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am not my own. That's a reminder that we don't own anything. All we have, all that we are, is the Lord's. This first section is all about, in the book of Acts, as we know, is about the origins of the first Christian community, the formation of the early church in the book of Acts. It is the earliest of beginnings of this Easter people, the joy of the resurrection still fresh in their minds, and it is the biblical foundation for how we are to live in the third millennium after the resurrection from the dead of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, that's why we're exploring the book of Acts together in these months, exploring the why of church and the how of living in community. For yes, that's the very word of what commune means, common, having all things in common, living in a commune. We're not our own, but belong body and soul to the risen Christ. Indeed, life is just one big debit card from God. For all we have is God's lavish gift. It's the divine parent's allowance to us each week, each day of our lives as we live our lives in gratitude for that gift each day. In my driving, I always see bumper stickers and one of my favorites is my karma ran over my dogma. But one of my least favorites is, you've, you might have seen these, we're spending our children's inheritance. Ask any Wall Street investment firm and they know that investments are made for generations after, thinking long term. Of course, not everyone can do this. Taking the short view is tough enough for most folks trying to make ends meet or pay the mortgage or go to the orthodontist or buy cleats for your son's travel soccer team. But the long view is an idea that many folks never think of, let alone dream about. Investing for the long term is a hard sell in America, let alone churches in America. It's a hard sell for churches, but as the scripture lesson these four verses describe, the early Christian community sure gave it a shot. They pooled their resources. No one claimed private ownership over anything, but everything they own, they held in common. This isn't communism or socialism or descriptions of that. It's not a requirement for being a part of that community. Rather, it was voluntary. It was truly a shared society. Possessions were utilized as any had need. The gifts and offerings were simply expressions of Christian love and concern and not a forced requirement for membership. However, it is clearly true that they gave sacrificially. 
They sold what they had, their houses, their land, and turned it over to the group, laying it at the apostles' feet. And as a result, no one lacked. It wasn't about equal gifts. It was about equal sacrifice. They worked together. They invested themselves in social capital. They created unity in community. They took chances. They invested in each other, and everybody's needs were met. As Luke describes, there was not a needy person among them. Hey, it worked for the first century church. Why not for the 21st century church? In this time of slow recovery from a pandemic, when the stock market prices are soaring with prosperity, the church is still filled with needy people. Some need money. Others need love. Some need hope. Others are looking for joy. Some need solace. Others are just looking for a time of prayer. All need God. That's the bear market news. But the church, by its nature and reality as a beloved community, is one big bull market. For even all of us needy folks, have something to share and offer and lots to give. We are one big mutual fund where needs are met in the investment of our gifts. For those who lack compassion and companionship because they feel widowed, alone, and lonely, we can invest our time in friendship in a visit. Some come to church because they hurt inside. Invest your time in sitting down in the park or along the water here in those funky chairs, those big chairs along the water. Just sit and talk. Some lack good food, clothes to wear, can't pay their electric bill. Invest in care and compassion. Make a sandwich. Show respect, sit and talk. For the church is an investment club. It is a stewardship society, a commune in the truest sense of the word. Only our capital is more than money. Because we invest our whole beings, our time, our hopes, our talents, our energy, and yes, our cash in the church. What would the church look like if it could be a people, a place, a community where no one lacked physically, emotionally, spiritually, and where we invested in each other? A place where no one was needy. We would then be fulfilling scripture. That is our biblical foundation. We would be the whole people of God acting in one mind and heart. It would be a church thinking long-term, being a big-picture people. This place 
has thought long-term for nearly three centuries. And the trick for us now in the here and now in the present in this community is to do the same and think beyond our own short-term wants or needs or desires. All right, you're probably now thinking Scotty hasn't talked about Ananias and Sapphira dropping dead yet, so here we go. Rather than getting bogged down in a long diatribe on church discipline, let's just simply look at matters of the heart and our own intentions and a lack of authenticity. In Ananias and Sapphira, we see two members in that beloved community who attempted to gain credit for a greater sacrifice than they had actually made. They must have seen the joy of the community over Barnabas' act of, that went above and beyond, and well, those good old narcissistic, individualistic egos got in the way. And in attempting to lie to and deceive this community, their lack of transparency and authenticity separated themselves from this group that were of one heart and soul. They put their own selfish needs and desires first, thereby fracturing that unity. And yes, they forgot that answer to the first question of the Heidelberg they forgot that debit card thing, that all we have is on loan from our creator in the first place. Simply, they weren't all in. We must always remember that we are not our own, but collectively belong, body and soul, life and in death to our faithful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church isn't just for me, for us. It's here because our ancestors in faith built it with one mind and heart, with sweat and calluses, with time and money. They invested in us long before we were born. They provided this place of worship, this opportunity to live and grow and learn together. And we need to calculate the church today with that same long-term equation. It's not just for us that the church is here. It's here for our children's children in faith and beyond, whomever they may be, wherever they, they're from, whatever they may look like. So it's time to invest our lives with authenticity and transparency with nothing hold back in that reality and what it means to be a Christian community. Are we thinking and living communally? 
Are we investing our lives in this community of faith as we build each other up, as we work towards God-preferred future for this congregation, as we spread the good news of the risen Lord to Newburyport and beyond? When we pay our bills each month, does our check or direct debit from our account to the church get filled and transacted first or last with what you have left? When we fill out our Google calendar for the week, the serving sandwiches get bumped off the schedule. For these offerings of our time and talent and tithes do nothing less than reflect that first century church in our testimonies of the resurrection life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because did you happen to notice verse 33? With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. It's if Luke is saying grace, just grace wasn't enough. Luke says great grace. I hate to mention this word, but it's mega grace. This is the mega grace that counts. Great grace was upon them all. God's great grace and power are the unexpected benefits for a congregation that is truly giving. This was the experience of the Jerusalem church. This was and is the experience of Old South Church as well. Such churches experience and discover the truth that Winston Churchill is accredited saying, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Throughout history, Christians have worked to create a sharing society. And we get in trouble when we lose sight of that reality. In such a community, Christians share because they want to share, not because they're forced to share. They are active in the world, working hard and always looking for what they can do next. They put people ahead of profits. And they try to avoid the worship of money. They discover that giving has unexpected benefits, including powerful testimonies and experiences of the grace of God. As we celebrate this season of new life in ministry and mission here, may we be a communal sharing society, always on the lookout for ways we can be of one heart and mind, one heart and soul, sharing as any have need, and building up the body of Christ. So, are we all in? Amen. Join with me in a time of prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks for all your gifts to us. 
for daily food, for health, for each breath we take, for freedom to choose, and for the gifts of your word, your power, and your love. Our hearts are truly overwhelmed, O God, when we consider how you have entrusted so much to us. May we be worthy of that trust. May we be a people who are unafraid to live as fully and as richly as you want us to live. Help us, O oh God, as followers of Jesus to multiply all that you have given us, to risk spreading your word and perhaps see it misunderstood, to gamble by loving those whom others think worthy only of hate, to take chances by doing good to those who have not done good to us. Help us be faith-filled and desire to increase your glory and your goodness in this world. Make us a people who share both in word and deed that which you have given to us. We pray for the church gathered today, both here and around the world, that it may encourage all of its members to discover and develop and use all their gifts, those of nature and those of grace. We pray for those who are poor in body or in spirit, for those oppressed and heavy laden, for those sick or in despair. Minister by your spirit and by us to all those for whom we have prayed and help us walk faithfully in the path of our Lord Jesus Christ. We lift this prayer to you as a beloved community in the name of Christ, who taught us also to pray when we gather. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.